The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for 17 years. I am the baby boomer. And I'm Jason Canander, freshman at UT Austin, on-air talent for TSTV Sports, site editor for Gojo Bruin, and I am Generation Z. So typically, Jason and I, you know, teenage years, we didn't get along, but we always had one thing in common, and that is talking sports. We've always found a common bond through sports, and that is how we started our podcast, just bridging the gap between our two generations. So in this episode, I love this episode. I'm super excited to talk about it. We are going to talk about the historic hiring of Kim Ng as general manager of the Florida Marlins, making history as the first ever female general manager in Major League Baseball. Jason, we have talked about this last year when they had the all-female broadcast for the NHL hockey game with the Blackhawks and um, St. Louis, the Blues. And now I feel, you know, I remember you saying it's only a matter of time. This is going to, I think it's going to speed up. We're going to start seeing a lot more um, of the glass ceiling being broken and shattered by women in sports. And here we go with Kim Ng and a historic hiring by Derek Jeter and the Marlins. I love this. From everything I have heard, she is overqualified. Most guys in her position would have already stopped applying uh, for these jobs because she has been qualified for 20 years, and yet she persisted, and the timing was right with a former player that she actually covered as a member of the Yankees staff, uh, Derek Jeter, giving her the opportunity now to make history. What do you think of the hiring? Well, first of all, I the first thing I thought about when I woke up to the news of her being hired was you. I knew you'd be very excited about it. I knew that this would be a topic on the podcast. Now, um, I have obviously been following Major League Baseball very closely for almost a decade now, and just about any major general manager opening, I had heard her name floated. I remember the New York Mets was one in particular. So this was only a matter of time. And as cool as it was to see that a woman has finally been hired in a general manager position in pro sports, I wasn't surprised, especially considering that it was her, because I'd seen her name floated so much now. I think that it is a fundamental move. I think that it obviously, like you said, it breaks a glass ceiling. I think that we're going to see more women in leadership positions just in general in sports. I don't think we're too far away from the first female coach, head coach that is in the NBA. I think we'll see more female uh, executives in pro sports, but we need to see how this plays out because 
I think that what we need to be careful of getting in the way of is since Kim Ng is the first ever woman general manager in pro sports, I don't think that it would be smart. And I know that this is the way sports works and people are going to look at it like this, where however she does as a general manager will be assessed as how a woman would do in Mm -hmm. a general manager spot, which is not correct at all. Every team is going to have different cards that they will deal their general managers. Now, I just think that it's going to be interesting to see how she adapts to a leadership position where people are going to have to be answering to her. Whereas in the past, she did more independent work. I remember reading up on her and one of her past jobs was she was the um, the one that put through all the transactions in Major League Baseball. That's more of an independent job no decisions really need to be made. It's just more of like a copy paste sort of thing. And then obviously working in the commissioner's office, that's more of a leadership role. So I think that what will be more interesting to look at will be how the team as a whole adapts to having to answer to a woman. Not that it's a bad thing, not, but it's certainly an unorthodox thing, especially in a male dominated profession. And you you know, what's interesting, Jason, is that Derek Jeter is the face of this front office and, and, Typically, your general manager uh, does a whole lot, a whole lot of representing the team publicly. And Kim Ng has traditionally been very quiet behind the scenes. Nobody doubts her skills, her intelligence. But what will be interesting is her people skills now going forward. Um, I think a lot of people say that she is a very good communicator with the players and with the team, but how will that come across publicly is going to be interesting as well. Well, I think that is certainly a good thing that she is going to be general manager of one of the smaller market teams because it seems like she excels when working in silence and not that being the general manager of the Miami Marlins is a smaller role, but if she were to be the general manager of the New York Mets or of one of the teams in Chicago or of an LA team, she'd be so much more under the microscope mm-hmm. and every bad move would be so much more scrutinized. So at least she has a little bit of a margin for error in Miami compared to other general manager openings in recent memory. Um, but like you said, answering to a woman is going to be um, interesting. I love it. I'm all for it. It shows that Major League Baseball as they kind of took a step back with their handling of all of these social justice movements in the summer. I think that now they take a step forward with this. So it'll just be very interesting to see how they play it. And obviously the domino effect of more women being hired in front office positions in all of sports. And as we talked about a couple months back with broadcasting, I think that this is no exception. I think that more women will be hired in broadcasting in just any role in sports because sports, when you look at it, that is the most male dominated business in the country. So to see a woman get a shot, a shot in a job that only 30 people in, in the world have as a general manager of a major league baseball team, I love it. I'm all for it. I can't wait to see what comes of it. And I wish nothing but the best for Kim Ng and the Miami Marlins. I think it's awesome. Did, have you read any negative comments about it? Or is this one of yes, those stories? Yes, oh, you have? Yes. Because, because all, sometimes... All you had to do... All you had to do is look at the comment section of every Instagram post. There are always trolls. And when you give them something like this, uh, they feed off of, they feed off of news like this. Like some of the comments are absolutely disgusting. It was like, Oh, is she also going to like clean the locker room. Oh. Looks like they won't need to hire a chef. Like, no, the public backlash or something like this is always going to be heavy, especially from the internet trolls. But generally for, from informed people and people whose opinions actually matter, it's an A plus hire. Yeah. And I just hope that 
all the criticism, it is fairly criticism, fair criticism. I used to say, you know, there was a, a broadcaster in Chicago, a sportscaster who um, is, has since lost his job, um, who used to be extremely critical of me. And he would be, <laughs> he'd be critical of me uh, by my looks. He would be critical of me by uh, my, my appearance, um, how I talked, who I looked like. He used to say I looked like Ruth Buzzy. Uh, you don't know who that and, is. And, and Ellen DeGeneres. And Ellen DeGeneres, yes. He used to say that I looked like her too. And, you know, I told his wife once that I don't really care if he criticizes that part of me. If he's fair about my work and what I bring to the table, that is... I think that is where I want to see people be fairly, you know, fair in yep. their criticisms, you know, like, like yeah. it can't be about, you know, her appearance or anything like that. It has to be about her ability to run the front yep. office of the Marlins yeah. period. And, and on in contrast to that, I think that we also need to be careful of retracting criticism because she is yes. an Asian American woman general manager. I make a bad move. It's a bad move. I agree. Like, it's totally okay to criticize her. It's the same thing if Rick Hahn or Theo Epstein or Jed Hoyer were to make a bad move. They, it, when criticism is due, the criticism will come. But like you said, it is completely unfair to criticize her of her appearance, of her gender, of anything like that, because we don't do that for any other general manager or executive in sports based off their appearance. I love it. Why do you think um, baseball has been a little bit more progressive than the other sports? In the last couple of years, we've seen more hires uh, on the baseball operations side of things and in the coaching arenas than we have in other sports. Okay, well, when you look at football, football is always going to be the last sport to come to the table when it comes to gender equality because there is no female alternative or female league for football. So football is the hardest sport to have a leadership position in in general, whether you be a man or a woman, when you have not played the game. So that is, that's going to be the story of football. With basketball, in the front office, I don't have an answer for you for that. Now, coaching-wise, basketball, of all four major sports in America, basketball is the most prevalent when you need a player coach. The coach and the players need to be on the same page at all times in basketball. You see, the easiest way for a coach to be fired in the NBA is when they lose a locker room. And that's why Doc Rivers was fired. That's why Mark D'Antoni is fired. Because the, when you lose a locker room, you lose a locker room. And the players will gravitate towards guys that they can relate to. That's why more young coaches are being hired. Like uh, Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan has lasted in the NBA because his players – are drawn to him and that's why he's a great hire for the Bulls um that's why Ty Lue was hired because he was a player's coach for LeBron and for the Cavs um so the idea of a player's coach in the NBA is now not that a woman cannot be a player's coach but a lot of coaches get hired in the NBA because their connections to current players whether they were teammates whether they're on other staffs so on the coaching side I think that it's going to be a little bit slower the NFL has a couple of assistants that are women. I know that Becky Hammond was the top assistant on the Spurs two seasons ago. So I don't know. It's it's going to be a matter of time, and this still needs to play out. Um, it's it, You don't wake up one day and all of a sudden gender equality is present in all sports. It takes years. It takes decades. So this is a good first step. 
don't think we can get too ahead of ourselves. But again, like I said earlier, I'm all for gender equality. I'm all for uh, putting women in leadership positions, whether it be in front offices or on coaching staffs or in the dugout or on the sideline. I love it. So, yeah. So with Kim Ng's background, um, she started out with the White Sox. She was an intern. Um, she had played uh, softball at the University of Chicago. And Dan Evans, who is a baseball consultant, was in the front office with the White Sox. He also went on to the Dodgers, giving Kim Ng an internship with the Sox and then hiring her again with the Dodgers. Evans uh, is available. I don't know, Jason. I think he'd be a great person for us to talk to and get some more information about Kim Ng. What do you think? Absolutely. So, Jason, Dan Evans uh, has been mentoring a class for sports management worldwide on how to get into baseball. Super, super popular, as you can imagine. He also has Evans Baseball Consulting, working with Field of Dreams and youth baseball um, all over the country. And lo and behold, he's an old friend here from Chicago, and he was actually kind enough to pick up the phone and join us today. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm well, Peggy. Hello, Jason. Good morning. Dan, this is an historic uh, time for baseball. Um, it's been an historic year, actually, for women with uh, Kamala Harris um, as the vice president-elect, and now Kim Ng as the new general manager of the Miami Marlins. And to think that you gave her her first start in baseball way back when, that intern out of University of Chicago, Tell me about it when she applied. I am sure there you had to have hundreds of applications. And, and how did hers stand out? Peggy, it's really fun. Um, I, I really got a chance to hire her twice, which I'm really proud of. She's made me look as though I have pretty good skills in that area. Um, we, are, we interviewed over 100 people for an internship position when we moved into the new ballpark. And uh, my favorite part of the story is when Kim came for her interview um, from the University of Chicago, my then three-month-old daughter was sound asleep in my office in a Graco playpen because I just had no choice. I had to bring her to work that day. So we couldn't even do the interview. She knocked on the door, stepped in, the lights were down, the shades were pulled, and little Sarah was sound asleep. And I popped out and just said, you know, we can't. Um, and that was her first interaction with me, which I still chuckle about. Um, she absolutely blew us away in the interview. Um, made comments, Peggy, about being an immediate contributor. Wasn't going to be um, just another person. She just said, I'll make you proud of hiring me. I'll make sure that I'm there to help you in every way. Peggy, her internship lasted two months. I hired her full-time just because she was too darn good. It would have been silly to let her go in an internship. And she ended up working with me for seven years, um, developed an incredibly strong friendship. I think the world of her. And, you know, she never really worried about being the only woman in the war, in the room. You know, as you know, as a woman who's, who's breaking, broken a lot of barriers in the sport, in sports in general, you know, it's, it's awkward. It's uh, a lot of people have stigmas. A lot of people aren't, weren't supportive, especially in the early nineties. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. She's lucky. She had some really good people that were really supportive. We never allowed it to become an issue. If it was an issue for somebody, they were the one who left the room, not her. Wow. I, you know, and you're, you're right. There are awkward moments. Um, you know, baseball uh, ha- is an old boys network in, in so many ways that, you know, if you don't join the locker room uh, talk and, and kind of go along with it, then you're kind of not one of them. How, how did you guys break that though? You know, guys can walk out of the room if they weren't comfortable, but at at what point did you guys have to set the table for the organization? Did it come from Jerry Reinsdorf uh, or was it Kim herself who kind of uh, forced others to accept her just by her example? Great question. And and I think it's a two-part answer. Number one, I think it had to be evident that I supported her and I um, considered her my right hand, somebody who was going to be involved in everything. Once I think people saw that, that I trusted her, confided in her, um, really looked for her opinion in the room, I think it eased things. As an organization, we were very forward thinking. Um, we were doing analytics in the early 80s and just didn't tell anybody. We were doing things that, you know, just on the surface, appeared to be normal for us. But from Jerry Reinsdorf, Jack Gould, Howard Pizer down, we never worried about gender. But Peggy, it really comes down to the individual. With hard work, perseverance, great interpersonal skills, a professional nature all the time, a wonderful personality, and I might say one of the greatest music playlists of all time. Um, I think she earned the respect of the people in the room. I would constantly, not only, you know, keep in mind, Peggy, I not only hired her with the White Sox, but then I brought her to Los Angeles as the vice president, assistant GM, the number two person in the organization. And what I really enjoyed were the phone calls and the texts and the emails that people would give me after interacting with her for the first time, she had already earned their respect, already earned their relationship, their friendship. That's all Kim. And I told her early on that if you come in prepared, people are going to recognize you for your work. Oh, and you happen to be an Asian woman. And I said, the more we can get to the point where they respect you as a professional and less be concerned about your ethnicity, your gender, you're going to win everybody over. And I mean, Peggy, there's been an outpouring in the sport for her because she has the respect of people throughout the game, not just young women, not just people who are excited about um, a woman getting this opportunity. They respect her as a person. And to me, what a wonderful compliment to her. Everybody that has commented on this hire has said that it clearly was not about gender. She's just the best candidate. Now, with that being said, there are only 30 people on this planet that are general managers of a major league baseball team. So what makes you, and obviously you have so many years of experience working alongside her, what makes you think that she's the best candidate, the best fit to be the general manager of the Miami Marlins? Well, Jason, after doing that job myself and recognizing how it's so difficult to be prepared for your first day, month, year. 
she is the most qualified person who has taken the job for the first time in my memory. Um, at 51, she's going to be 52 tomorrow. She's in a situation where she's done everything. I mean, she's been an intern, an assistant GM, won world championships. She's done arbitration cases, negotiated contracts, understands analytics, made trades for years, done media, understands the community, is a great, and Jason, this is important for you as, as a young person, she's an exceptional listener and delegates extremely well. She doesn't, she's always the smartest person in the room, but she never, ever wants you to think that she thinks that. Her listening skills are extraordinary. And she's been a part of some really great teams, um, some really good organizations. Her experience with the Major League Baseball Central Office will be invaluable for her. But I think more than anything, she's done everything. And because she has, and because she's really good at getting a collaborative answer and a prepared answer, Jason, she's going to be really good. I think it's going to be a very short matter of time where she's no longer considered the first female GM. She's going to be con considered one of the best general managers and leaders in the game. I've followed baseball for all, my entire childhood really closely. And based on what I know, when there's a general manager opening, it seems like there's one of two jobs that opens up. The first one would be a big market team that has a big budget and can spend and just needs a little change of pace in the front office or a smaller market team that is ready to undergo a complete rebuild. This hire in particular is not like that. The, Mar the Marlins have a great farm system. They're a team on the rise. They made the playoffs. They won a playoff series. So not necessarily the Marlins, but any team in particular with a big farm system with a fan base that is expecting another step forward. Is there any added pressure with that? Jason, fabulous question. There's always pressure when you take over one of those jobs. Um, it's really difficult, and it's no different um, taking over a job like I did in Los Angeles in that massive market and taking a job in, in Florida. One of the advantages Kim has is she's a very consistent, hardworking person whose perseverance has been worn um, outwardly. She's an immigrant, which I think will go over very, very well. From an immigrant family, she's Chinese-American. I think that's going to go over great in Miami. But Jason, you nailed it. Usually it's one of two situations. This is not that case. This is a microwavable team that needs some tweaking, needs some leadership. But Jason, it's a great thing is that Derek Jeter is their owner. Kim won three World Series with, with Derek, and they're the best of friends. There's a relationship there already. Don Mattingly, their manager, Kim won division championships with him as the Dodger manager. So when the key people in the game are already on board, have relationships, and the person who's coming in has a broad swath of knowledge about how to do it, I think it's just a fabulous fit. Um, you know, she's not going to have the money to spend that she might have in some of the larger markets, but she doesn't have a wholesale, um, I, you know, I would say rebuild or change. She just has to steer and guide this franchise as they become one of the better teams in the game. And I think she's perfectly suited for the job. Back to our conversation in a minute. 
But first, have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. So what will be, do you think, her biggest obstacle with the Marlins right now? Will it be the fan base? Will it be, you know, putting people in the seats, being the face of an organization that already has Derek Jeter as one of the faces of the organization? What do you think is going to be her number one, maybe not obstacle, but something, her challenge? Let's call it a challenge. Yeah, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't have obstacles, Peggy. She's that talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is somebody who shatters barriers and, and cultivates collaborative answers I think her greatest challenge is going to be a difficult one in the game, which is taking a team which is quite good and taking it to the next level. Never an easy task simply because expectations are already high. Um, I told her the other day in a text, I said, you know, the great thing is you get it that when all of this PR and all this press is over, the goal is to win and the job is to put a competitive team on the field she gets that she's had high expectations for herself since the day she started working with me in Chicago with the White Sox 30 years ago she's gonna she knows that she's got the pressure of being um, the Marlins GM also the pressure of being the first woman but I think what she understands more than anything Peggy is she's being handed a real good franchise a team that is on the upswing, that's a fun team to inherit. And it's an even more fun team to take it to the next step. You spoke about giving her her first arbitration case when she was with the White Sox. What Were you crazy putting her in the same room with Scott Boris? How did that go? I, I got to hear the story about how that went when Scott Boris realizes that he is going to be negotiating with Kim. Well, Peggy, we were the only club in baseball doing its own arbitration cases, and I was always presenting and rebutting. And we just felt that we had a really formidable opponent. I think the world of Scott, he's a really good friend. Um, and our organization had actually beaten Scott four or five times in our, uh, in our hearings. I don't think we had lost. We were trying to come up with the best way of going into the case. And we decided the best way would be instead of me presenting it, have Kim present it. She and I were doing all the prep work anyway, so we both knew it. 
And then I would do the rebuttal and it would allow me to use the period that she was presenting to be prepared for the rebuttal phase. Um, we both knew Alex well. I, I love Alex. He's a terrific guy. And we knew Scott was going to be doing a really great job on the other side. Peggy, the most fun thing about that was there were three arbitrators, three-person panel at the front of the room. One of them happened to be a woman. And everyone expected me to get up and begin the presentation. And we decided we weren't going to tell anybody because the surprise element we thought would help her. Um, they wouldn't be prepared to try to, you know, do things to her and, up, you, know, you know, stir her up a little bit. So she stood up and she started to speak. And uh, the look on the face of the three arbitrators was awesome. It was great <laughs> to see them see this, you know, at the time she's probably 26, 27 years old. For her to stand up and begin presenting the case and did a flawless job. Wow. And to look on the other side of the table, the, the Major League Players Association officials, um, Scott, Alex, to see Kim stand up. It was, it was an amazing day. And as I told her during a break after the first half of the case, I said, listen, regardless if we won or lost, you don't realize it, but there's an entire generation of young women right now mm -hmm. who no longer have the concern about a barrier. So we prevailed in the case, and I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled. But what I was most thrilled for is that she got the opportunity and did something with it. I mean, Peggy, you know, a lot of times people have opportunities and they fail. Yeah. And then it's really hard time after time after that, just because you don't have the success ratio that people like to point to. But when she won, I loved it because I, I knew not only had she arrived, but I also knew that our organization was even more progressive. We didn't just have a terrific young woman on our staff, but we also had a fabulous arbitration practitioner who happened to be a woman. Mm. Who was the player that um, was being represented, that Scott Boris represented? Alex Fernandez, oh, the right-handed yep. starter. Yep, yep. And a real good one for us. Wow. All right, Jason? The, uh, the thing that I got the most out of that story was how she kind of commanded the room and spoke with authority. I'm a communications major, and this semester, one of the biggest themes in all of my communications-related classes is the value of one-to-one -one communication. So do you think that there are going to be any loose ends that need to be tied up with some of the players never really having to answer to a woman? Because while I love the hire and I think it's great, it is the first ever hire of a woman in a general manager position in any pro sport in America. So do you think that there's going to be any disconnect there or any adjustments that need to be made? Or do you think that she just has what it takes to completely do away with any side effects of, of that sort of change because while anybody can say that it's not really going to matter, it is an adjustment for some people. Jason, for anybody who has that position, commanding respect in the room from the players, the field staff, the media people is the most important initial step that you make in that role. She's been in the clubhouse since the early 90s. Um, I made it a point to get her in there. We would just, you know, be very classy about it. And she commands respect because of who she is, how she interacts, and how she carries herself 
Um, that's what I've always admired most about her. Jason, I think if anybody has a problem with her, shame on them. It's 2020. Um, I think anyone who views gender, ethnicity, race as an issue is a really shallow human being. And if those people happen to be in the Marlins clubhouse, you know, for me, this is not, you know, the 1930s. This is 2020. I think we've evolved enough as a society to recognize that when someone the caliber of Derek Jeter hands over the leadership role of a baseball team, and that woman happens to be the most qualified candidate for the job, that's your boss now. And if you don't feel that she is uh, capable of being that person because her chromosomes are different and because she's Asian, well, then you're not the person that you claim to be. So anyone who's that shallow, I feel for them in 2020. We've got a vice president-elect who commands the room, who's an exceptional human being. And I think, you know, just the outpouring of respect from people in the sport is an indicator that perhaps this is not the time to be that shallow person in the room. Mm. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. On a more positive note on the same mm-hmm. topic, do you think that this is going to create sort of a domino effect with more women getting opportunities in leadership positions in sport, whether it be in the locker room? I know the NFL has a couple of assistant coaches that are women. The NBA has a couple of people on the sideline that are female. Uh, do you think that it's going to create a domino effect or it's going to be more of a wait and see thing? I do, Jason. I think the sports world is already evolving. There's assistant coaches in leagues, there's on-field coaches in leagues. I think there's executives in decision-making roles. I think this one happens to be big simply because of the fact that it's groundbreaking. She leads the organization. She's just not a contributor. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pressure there. She's ready for it. But I think the great thing is, you know, your mom was one of the pioneers in Chicago when it came to sports broadcasting and happened to be a woman. And I think for people like your mom, I think you see the world changing. We're far more respectful and aware that it can't be a boy's game anymore. It's time to let the best people in the room. And if they happen to be a woman, so be it. But I think the great thing, Jason, is that she checks a lot of boxes. She's an Asian woman who didn't play in the big leagues. That was such a stigma 20 years ago. Oh, you didn't play in the big leagues. My gosh, I heard it. Well, now I think young women wake up and they say, there's somebody who looks like me in that role. And until today, really until Friday, no one ever saw anyone looking like them in that role. And that's 51% of the world's population. Now suddenly, this Asian-American woman is the general manager of the Miami Marlins. I think that alone will give hope to not just young women, but Asian-American men Mm -hmm. who suddenly will say, wait a second, here's somebody who looks like me. I can be that person. And I think for that, our society is better off today.
Mm, I have said that for so many years that all it takes is one seeing one person that looks like you um, in, a, in an industry to say, oh my gosh, that's it. I'm going to do this. Okay, I want to do this. And I, that's what it took for me. And Dan, you are so right. The number of people that she is going to affect the, in the future generations um, this is personal for a lot of us and I'm still getting emotional right now because it is that big of a deal. Can she handle it? I mean, I just, that's a lot of pressure on one person's shoulders. Um, and we don't mean to make it a bigger mountain than it is, but truly when they are in the decision-making and the hiring and the firing, that is when we have progress because they make the decisions on who gets some of those jobs. Oh, great point, Peggy. I think, first of all, yes, undeniably qualified, has been qualified for probably about 15 years. Um, I remember sitting at our pool in Los Angeles with our feet in the water, and she had just been denied one of those opportunities. And I said to her, listen, your time's going to come. And whenever it comes, you'll just be more ready, more prepared. Peggy, the important thing, I think, in this whole equation is that the right person is getting the first opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not to, not, I don't want to diminish what happened today. I was pretty emotional watching her um, take the stage and how well she handled an hour of questions. But the great thing about Kim is it's a collaborative effort. She's a leader. She's a listener. She's a process-oriented person. So she won't wear this responsibility, Peggy, as her against the world. She's going to be a true leader and bring people together to make better decisions. She'll never be, you know, the one out in front saying, I, me. I don't think those pronouns are used very much in her vocabulary. And I think subsequently, the people she works with will recognize that. And you know that people in an organization, whether it's sports or business, really respect people who take people's opinions into consideration and make it a collaborative event, those people support those leaders. Because as a result, you feel like you had your your chance to give your opinion, to support your ideas, to give the facts. This is a very well-versed, analytically-oriented, scouting-oriented woman who happens to be extremely qualified, very experienced. I, I think she's got a chance to be a very, very special person in the game. Oh, I love it. Dan, I cannot thank you enough for joining us and giving us such great background information, insight, not only into why she is so qualified, but who the, the woman is behind the name. Uh, it's really, really been wonderful talking to you and catching up. And I want to tell our listeners that uh, you can follow Dan Evans on Twitter at DanEvans108. He's also on LinkedIn. You can check out his Evans Baseball Consulting Group. Or, um, you know, remember, he mentors the class for sports management worldwide on how to get into baseball. Check him out. Dan, thank you so much for so much of your time today. Thanks, Peggy. Great to reconnect with you and Jason. Good luck in school. Thank you so much. Man, I think we could have go on forever with Dan Evans to talk about Kim Ng. He has daughters, Jason, 
and uh, he he gets it. He gets exactly how monumental this is, and super cool to hear some of the personal stories too. Okay, here we go, Jason. Um, you have predictions? Yep. All right. First prediction: NBA draft is coming up on Wednesday. I'm going to say the Bulls are either going to take Lamelo Ball or trade up and get him. I think that there is only one generational talent in this draft, and it's Lamelo Ball. The Bulls need a playmaker. The Bulls need to actually win a draft for the first time in forever. So I think that the Bulls are going to get LaMelo Ball somehow, some way with Arturis Karnasovas as the new general manager um, or uh, vice president of basketball operations, that is. I think that the Bulls are ready to make a splash. And I'm going to just throw in a little caveat there that we are taping this on Monday, the day that Kim Ng was introduced by the Miami Marlins. Um, so a few days before the draft, uh, if you are listening to this episode after the draft. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then... My second prediction, we are off the heels of Notre Dame pulling off an incredible upset against Clemson um, a little over a week ago. So I'm going to say that both Notre Dame and Clemson make the college football playoff. I think the Fighting Irish went out up until the ACC championship. Clemson will have Trevor Lawrence back. Trevor Lawrence and the Tigers are going to light up Notre Dame, but it won't matter. Um, Both teams will make the playoff. It'll be great. be a lot of fun. Uh, My final prediction is today, like you said, it's Monday. Um, the NCAA announced today that the NCAA tournament will be held in the same city all every single round. It will be held in Indianapolis, most likely. I'm just going to say right now, I don't think that we make it all the way to January um, free of any error. A lot of, or a lot of pre-conference play tournaments have already been scratched due to COVID. So I think that there's going to be some sort of issue, whether the NCAA takes a two-week break or they scratch a lot more non-conference tournaments. Um, I just think that we are in for a really rough beginning to the college basketball season. That's my prediction. Rough beginning of the college basketball season. I hope that everything goes well because we got robbed of the tournament, but um, I just don't think it's very feasible at this point. Hey, by the way, you sound so much better, and I want to let our listeners know when we were recording one of our earlier episodes, uh, you were really under the weather, and we didn't talk about it uh, on the air, but we were concerned, uh, but you were not uh, COVID positive. So nope, um, I was not. Yeah. I, so, was not. I think I had strep though. I think I had strep. Yeah. Um, which certainly isn't pleasant, but um, I was COVID negative. I've been sanitizing, washing my hands, wearing a mask. That's why I was kind of caught off guard by the fact that I was sick because um, you can never take too many precautions, but at the same time, I think it just goes to show that everyone needs to be a little extra careful because you can be like me and, and wipe out seemingly every single risk. And then you come down like, on my deathbed for five days. So um, just everybody keep being careful. I'm lucky that I didn't get uh, COVID. Going to continue to take precautions and everyone uh, stay safe. Okay, let me give my final thoughts because uh, this is a, a, a big um, show topic for me. So I'm I'm just been bouncing since the, the news this week. All it takes is one. One woman, one woman doctor, one woman dentist, one woman police officer, one woman vice president, one woman baseball executive, one woman sportscaster. That's all it took for me 40 years ago to know that that's what I want to be, a sportscaster. Not a female sportscaster like Dan Evans was saying, just a sportscaster. All I needed was to see Gail Gardner doing it on ESPN to know that I had something in my future that I would love to do. And now Kim Ang. Kamala Harris, and so many other women in everyday careers who don't get the notice, the notice right now, 
all of you will have an opportunity to influence girls everywhere because all it takes is one. One person to stand up against the norm, one person to go against the practices just because it's always been that way, one person to be strong enough to force change. When people ask why it took Kim Ang so long to get a general manager job in baseball when she has been qualified for 20 years, it's because all it took was one team owner or president to force the change. That can be said in any arena where women don't get the board positions, the jobs, the rights as their male counterparts. Don't wait for the next generation to do it because you think, well, they'll take care of it. It'll be a natural fit. It's inevitable. Many of us waited decades for the inevitable, and it really didn't come. Remember, in 1923, the Equal Rights Amendment was first introduced, and it took nearly 50 years, 1972, before it was actually passed. That's an entire generation of women, a lifetime. And another nearly 50 years before a woman vice president, a woman general manager in baseball? Seriously, see what I'm saying? It's been almost 100 years since we started talking about equal rights. Change is not inevitable. It can take that long if you let it. Don't just go with the consensus As Martin Luther King said, you can mold that consensus. Don't take the safe way out. Do the right thing and be the one who stands up and forces that change now. You can do it for your daughter, your granddaughter, your wife, your sister. Don't wait for someone else because tomorrow does not promise anything. And with that being said, Jason, our thanks go to Dan Evans. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Evans 108. He's also on LinkedIn and check out his Evans Baseball Consulting Group as well. Check us out on the Barroom Radio Network, found on Apple, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen, as well as the Barroom Network on YouTube. And don't forget, you can find the podcast website at sportscasterandherson.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Pinterest as well. And if you want to help empower young girls to become strong leaders through sports, health, and leadership programs, please check out girlsinthegame.org where you can make a difference. Thank you all for listening. I will be home next week. I'm very excited about that. But tonight is a big night. Bears, Vikings, primetime, must-win game. Bear down. Let's go. All right. Stay safe, everybody. So long. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.